You know, what chefs want, some people still call it creation gardens, but what chefs want has been, was our first advertiser on the show. Uh, Monty Crawford saw what we we're doing. He goes, I want to be part of it, dude. I love it. And I just, I love that. They're so perfect because they work with locally owned and operated restaurants better than anyone. And let me tell you how they do it. No minimums, no fees, no fuel surcharges, no surcharges anytime. They deliver seven days a week. They have 24-7 customer support. You can call, text, chat, email anytime from anywhere. Or you can reach them at 502-587-9012. They have a diverse line of products. Their chefs have access to thousands of items across many different categories that allow them to receive fresh product daily. What Chefs Want is the perfect addition to any broadline company as they've got all of your fresh produce delivered daily plus custom meats, anything that you need that your broadliner can't get. Give them a call, 800-600-8510 or visit them at whatchefswant.com. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. We are powered by Gordon Food Service. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. And I am joined today uh, with with somebody new to the show. We have a major announcement to to make today. I, I'm going to go ahead and welcome in Caroline Galzen. Hey, Brandon. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? We have a new co-host on the show, and I'm going to get into our conversation. But I want to build. I want to talk about this for a second. Um, I used to do a, a show called the Music City Roundup, and I did it with Delia Joe Ramsey, and it was wonderful. I loved having like the banter back and forth, and it was really fun. Uh, and then Delia had the thing with the eater, and then and then um, we brought in Kelly Sutton, and Kelly Sutton graced us with her presence for a little while. She was amazing uh, with the Roundup. I had so much fun with those. I just needed something more for the show. So I was working with Jenny Chikawa and I was like, hey, do you want to come on the show? And she was like, sure. And so we did this and and she's had just a lot of stuff. She did a show. She talked about it. She needed a break. And I've I've just been missing that. And I haven't been searching for that. It's not something that's been on my, I need to find somebody. And part of you know my whole recovery thing is I pray and I meditate. And I just said, I'm not going to push it. I can't control this when the right person comes around. I'm going to talk to him. And I know Caroline is one of the busiest people in the world, but I, I kind of, it was a very vulnerable thing for me to even call you and be like, Hey, can we have coffee? I'd like to talk to you about something. And then asking was very scary. And the fact that you accepted was one of the, was, was a major moment. It was very, very special for me. Wow. Wow. Thanks, Brandon. That is so nice. I'm very flattered. Well, I, you know what? This is, this is a labor of love, what I do here. And I spend a I say a lot of time, it's a lot of energy um, physically and emotionally to put together a full episode. And there's a lot of creativity and a lot of these things. And in the past, my co-host just kind of showed up. And when we were talking, you were like, I have so many ideas. And I have this this creative side. And you're like, is that okay? And I was like, it's not only okay. Like I could have cried because I've wanted to share some of this creativity and like, I need somebody to help me get in here and be part of this thing. And you were like, 
Yeah, dude, I'm in. And well, thanks. I, I have a lot of opinions, and I, <laughs> I'm I, I appreciate that that you appreciate that. Thank you so much. I do. I think you're an amazing person. Every time we've talked, I've just been like, I really like. She is so sharp, and I just I don't know something about it. I just really wow, enjoy. Brandon, that is so nice. I, I'm so appreciative, and I am really excited to be your co-host officially and to come on board. I've been a fan and supporter of Nashville Restaurant Radio since you first started when we first met back in 2020. I think we first met and commiserated over bad Yelp reviews, if that sounds right, which, you know, I love to make fun of a bad Yelp review. All day. All day. Yeah, and you guys, you and Tony both read one for me. Oh, we did. Yes. You know, it's it's hard to remember <laughs> that far back three We're years ago. We're trying to forget about it. We're trying to forget. Uh, I've forgotten a lot of it, I think. Um, but yeah, I'm so excited to be here. You know, I think that you and I are people who just love this industry and we love to talk biz and, you know, we'll get together over a cup of coffee and just, you know, start tangenting on all sorts of different restaurant related topics. So I'm so excited to be here. You know, one of the greatest things I think when you're talking to somebody or you have coffee, like every time that you meet with somebody, you have to end the conversation with seriously, I have to leave. Like I, we gotta, I gotta go. I have right. a thing in like four minutes. Right. Like I feel like that's every time we talk. It's totally. Like, I dude, it's not like you're trying to get out of the con. Like, Oh, I, I I got 30 minutes or 15 minutes. I'm done. Like we just talked for a long time, which is great. Sure. And I was like, let's do this on air. And we're going to talk for a long time here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is the key. So I am, um, I'm honored to have you here and it's, I haven't told her any of that stuff. Wow. That was that, stuff that's I was, truly, I'm, that's so nice, Brandon. And I am, I am really honored to be here. Like I said, I'm so flattered that, that you thought of me and that, you know, I know that this is your baby, your pet project. So it really means a lot to me to be here and, you know, thanks Nashville. I'm just excited to, to talk biz and talk Nashville and get to know some new people and get to chat with some old friends and. So that, there, that, that, is, that, that is our big <laughs> announcement today is that Caroline Galson, uh, who is the owner of Nikki's Coal Fired. I didn't announce yes. that if you don't know who Caroline Galson is. She owns Nikki's Coal Fired in the nations. I'll try not to talk about Nikki's too much, but let's it's be gonna real. Happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And and I love that. I love anything that one of my things is that you just got to be real. Like we got to be real. We sure. got to be unapologetic sometimes. Yeah. Just like, I, I this love is real I talk. I feel like there's so much BS in this industry. Yeah. And listen, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. It's a PR driven business. So we've all got to BS a little bit, but I think that the more real conversations we can have about the industry, about the struggles of being a business owner, about what it's really like, you know, the better off we all are. And that's what I hope to bring to the table. What do you think people can expect? We've had some different ideas. I mean, like coming up in the next couple months. Um, you'd mentioned, we talked about hot topics. Yeah. I, I think that there's a lot of interesting topics on the table that are interesting topics for the Nashville community, but really for the restaurant industry as a whole. And I think that there are some topics that maybe you and I have strong opinions about, and maybe there's some topics that we don't quite know where we're going to land on those thoughts yet. You know, whether it's tipping or restaurant unions or the sustainability of 
what's happening to the Nashville landscape and, and what does that look like for the future of independent restaurants? Those are all topics that I'm very interested in and I'm really excited to explore and learn more about with you and with, you know, other people here in town. A hundred percent. I, you, you're in this thing and you're like, I want to do really some real journalistic pieces where wow. we really get in and, and <laughs> which is, which I love. So this is the way the conversation goes. She's like, I would love to do these. And I'm like, I want to play more games. I'm like, like, I want to play more newlywed games and I want to do funny, shticky kind of things with interesting people. Well, you know, I'm also... You see where we're both coming from Yes, I I think I'm also right now in this moment in time very mired in the NPR politics podcast and 538 podcast of it all. So maybe that's where my head is at right now. I'm like, let's dive deep on some hard-hitting issues. But I I don't know. I, I think that you know, I, I, I love to we, play a game. I love a bad Yelp review, like we said. There's going to be, I would. I think the overall here is that it's not going to be the standard Brandon interviewing somebody show. I think you're going to bring a lot of color and a lot of excitement and a lot of a different perspective. Yeah. As I'm a, you know. And we, you and I have a lot of different opinions on things, which I think is really cool. You know, you've certainly given me things to think about. I hope the same is true for 100%. conversations that I've had with you. And um, I think that will keep it interesting. And, um, you know, but I think that you and I are also both very open-minded people who are opening open to having our minds changed about things. 100%. And so that's an interesting segue into today's show. So yes. we talk with Ben Sticks. Uh, ben is the owner of the Beehive uh, Deli, and then they also do um, plant-based products. Yeah, for, and they ship them all over the country. They have a huge facility in Donaldson. There, uh, Ben, you know him. I do know Ben. Ben and I uh, got to know each other in 2019, but but really uh, got to know each other a lot better over the pandemic. The Beehive uh, makes wonderful products that we use on our pizzas at Nikki's and. Uh, Ben was just, you know, a really great supporter of Nikki's throughout the pandemic when we were trying this thing and that thing, you know, he was always open to taking products at the deli and let's see if it sells and how can we support each other and collaborate. So I've met Ben one time before this, you knew him really well. So I love that for like your first interview, let's jump in. And I really excited for our listeners to, to learn, to kind of watch the maturation of your and I's kind of a, a, interview ability together because we're going to learn our dance yeah and i'm excited this is the first one this okay is our- so i have to ask we were talking about being open-minded do you think ben changes your mind about anything i've had like five conversations with people about our conversation already really yeah. oh yeah 100 percent. love that i was really impressed with him like i He's was awesome. smitten with him yeah um my old coach jen just say she goes you fall in love with everybody who walks in the door and i'm like i Look, I told you, I said, you sit in this room, you've got headphones on, you're locked into a conversation. It's, I can, I can get deep in a conversation and just really feel the moment. And I love that. And this was one of those interviews that like, I, we didn't even, I don't announce what he does until like 55 minutes. Yeah, into the, we he, just, we just hit the ground. He running. walked in and we just got right to it. We're like, let's go deep right away. <laughs> I, I, I was, I didn't, I don't know if he's a drinker, but I, I asked you after I go, is he sober? Because he's so vulnerable. He's so available to talk about his emotions and things that are going on. I don't see that except for in these special rooms I go to on individual nights. And I said, I don't know. So like, I don't know. And it doesn't matter. I just, 
that's the kind of interview this was. Totally. I loved it. It was one of my favorite that we've done in a really long time. Sorry to anybody I've done an interview with the last. Uh, there's been a great ones. Um, but no, this was a lot of fun and I'm excited to share it. Love it. I, I think it was a great conversation. I could have talked to him and you for two more hours and I hope everything, <laughs> right? Uh, but it's not two hours. I think it's only an hour. Uh, hour plus, but stay tuned because we're going to bring him back real soon. Yes. I can tell you we're going to get some feedback from this one. And um, I told my wife the other day, I said, I want to do January. I want to do a meatless January. I don't think I could go vegan, um, but I think I could go meatless. I would like, and not because- well, Brandon. Earlier in the day, you told me that you struggled to not eat meat one day a week. So no shade, but if you do a meatless January, I will be very impressed. I think I'm going to do it. Like I'd I, love for you to I see like you do to it. I like to try hard things. Like I'm down. Like do I, it. what is it? Salads and cheese pizzas? I'm in. But like I don't think I could go ve- maybe that's like the one day of the week I'll do vegan. Okay. Just to not for anything, but I love the idea of reducing carbon footprint. And then the other side of just trying something hard, like knowing I told my wife last night, cause my three year sobriety date is like today. Congrats. Thank you. That's a big deal. It's, Congrats. I, I came home last night and I got my chip and I, I, I gave it to her. One of the things I do is I give her the chips kind of as a commitment to my, like, Hey, look, I told you I was going to do this and I'm going to do it. And I give her the chips just because it's just, it's, it's a thing that I like to do. And I don't, yeah, that's first really, time I've ever that's told so nice. That. It's really meaningful. But I gave it to her last night and it was this moment where I was like, I, I can't fucking believe it. Like initially starting off the sobriety thing, I was trying to save a marriage. I was trying to get people on my side that wanted them to know I was serious. I'm going to go to meetings, you know, kind of a thing. And I think what started off as something I was doing for somebody else quickly morphed into, holy shit, this is amazing for me. And the fact that I've hit three years is just like, I never, I guess initially doing something for somebody else you didn't think three years was never going to be something you would do. Like I do this for six months and then nobody's going to care anymore and I'll, I'll move away from it. But quickly it became a, this is a life-changing thing for me. In three years, I don't know, just kind of all these emotions kind of hit me like, wow, sticking to something for that long and meaning it and doing it, like just, I don't know, it wasn't in my DNA yeah. before. You know, I was kind of a piece of shit and it's nice wow. to, but I can say that looking back on me, how much I've learned over the last three years, how much sure. of a metamorphosis you can have. One person can have when you stop numbing every bad feeling you have, when you have to start facing shit and dealing with it and going, okay, that's, you know, I think the biggest thing is self-talk, like how you change your self-talk. My self-talk was so bad. I mean, it was so bad. And now it's, it's. It's not great. <laughs> I'm still working on it. Holy shit. But it's a work in progress. It was a big moment. Last One night. day at a time, right? Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Congratulations, Brandon. I, I met you at the very beginning of this journey is, is the first time that you and I connected. And what a long way you've come. It's really, <sighs> really exciting. Well, thank you very much. Um, all right. We've lost all of our listeners now. <laughs> Dude. We've heard enough about you being sober. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking about that. I was mowing my yard the other day, and I was like, I have got to stop mentioning that. Like, it's really Why? obnoxious. And then I said that. I go, that's my self-talk. I'm like, nobody gives a but shit. But you're about- just being real. I don't want to be that guy like, hi, my name is Brenda. Oh, by the way, I'm sober. Like, I don't sure. want to be that guy. But it comes out in these conversations a lot. And I'm like, no, oh, fuck it. I'm going to be just me, and that's relevant in these time moments. So I'm sorry if that bothers you out there. But 
Um, that's just me. It's just me. That's what it's I do. It's just you. You do you, Brandon. Yeah. And you, you drink, you. right? I do. Okay, so there you go. So we got the yin and yang. Yin and yang. Yin and yang. Yes, yes, I do. I do. Not <laughs> not as much as I did in my 20s or or in 2020. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> not in my 20s. Uh, no, I mean, yes, I, I do drink. My alcohol consumption has certainly changed a lot as I get older. And I think that, you know, this rush, the, this industry, maybe this is a topic for a different day, but there's a lot of pitfalls and I think it's very easy to get into bad habits. It's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. And, you know, I, I've really had to make some very conscious choices about, you know, how I, I want my health to be my, my body to be, you know, I turn 40 in two weeks. So that's kind of a big deal for me. And that's and, amazing. Congratulations. Well, thanks. Well, I, I guess I made it 40 years. So that's something. Um, but, you know, I, that's a big deal to me turning 40. And I've had to think a lot over the last year about, okay, I did not take care of myself at all during the pandemic. And I don't beat myself up for it. I mean, who did? We were all just getting by. But, you know, this last year I've spent really focused on my health and, and on wellness and on, you know, what am I putting into my body? Not just alcohol, but you know, everything, my food choices, all of that. So, well, that's a good segue into this. Yeah, episode yeah, definitely. Um, he's the owner of the beehive. I think you're going to absolutely love this one. Typically our intros are not going to be this long, but no, I we, we got into it. Well, <laughs> I, that's what we do, right? That's we what start we do. talking. So here's what I'm going to tell you, uh, going forward with the show, we're going to do these intros probably gonna be longer than normal. But then we're going to, at the end of the show, we're going to kind of do a recap. So we'll be doing these type conversations at the end of the show. So now I invite you to enjoy this interview with Ben Sticks, but hang out after the show if you want to hear Caroline and I banter more about whatever the hell we're talking about. About who knows what kind of tangent we'll get on. All right, let's jump in. Super excited today <laughs> to welcome in Ben Sticks. I am here. That is my real last name for the record. I've got. Uh, is your real last yeah, name? Yeah, I'm a like drummer, a, and I've had to like tell people, especially when I like tell other drummers, it's like, oh hey, that's my real last name. Just is it like Danielle record. Breezy, yeah. or like Dallas Rains on Weather. Like, these people, Dallas these Rains. yeah, I think he's a guy in L.A. But like, like there's all these names like Weatherman. That's like that's a very yeah, appropriate no, name for. Well, a it's also a thing too. Like drummers kind of take this, you know, the sticks thing. There's a bunch. There's like Sticks Finney in town. Is like Marcus is bad ass drummer. But yeah, it's his nickname, and I'm like, no, this is my real name. I'm sorry. I'm not hot shit. I'm just just my real name. <laughs> so Ben is the owner of the Beehive, and Caroline, you you work with Ben. Yes, yeah. we do. We've carried Ben's products for a long time. We did a great pop up with you in I think 2019. Yeah, I believe that was fun. It was really fun. I think it's the best pop up we've ever hosted at Nikki's. That's awesome. I remember you saying Damn. something how you did like more to go that night than you had ever it was done or wild. something. Yeah. yeah, it was great and. You know, I really feel like we got to know each other a lot better during the pandemic. Yeah, you for know, sure. We, we found a lot of ways to collaborate and mm -hmm. you were so supportive of us. And I've told you so many times before that you remind me so much of my brother-in-law, Nick, who oh, my yeah, restaurant yeah, yeah. is named Nikki's. after. I actually called, I just saw Tony at the event the other day. I was like, Nikki. And I was like, oh shit, that's not your name. It happens it? all the time. People <laughs> call me Nikki. People that's will email funny. me and they'll be like, okay. hey, Nikki. Yeah. I'm just going to call like, both of you guys You Nikki. don't know right? me. Great. That's why people uh, would always, um, when people, Mr. or Brandon Style, you know, like, you, you, that, this is a sales call. Thanks. Sure. It's a thing. So, Ben, you play drums. 
I do play drums. Who do you, are you in a band? Have you been in a band? Anything? You've uh, heard? No, I am not in a band currently. I kind of play randomly. I just played a showcase last week. I'm going to Napa next week for a couple showcases. Nice. Um, but I kind of just pick and choose what I want to do if somebody asks me to do it. I've had a lot of drummers in here. Oh, interesting. Randomly. I was a drummer for one year. That's cool. In middle school. Drums are tight. I was I the like first drums. female drummer at my school. Oh, nice. oh shit. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, we had a guy, Sandy Gennaro. Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. He was he wrote a book called Beat the Odds. And he's okay. a, he's, he was the r- drummer for Cindy Lauper. Oh, nice. The drummer on Girls Just Want to Have Fun. That sounds fun. He's also a drummer. <laughs> he he uh, was Joan Jett's drummer. Oh, back in the day. Yeah, that's back, crazy. Oh, yeah, that this, sounds this awesome. Is definitely So 80s. he's seen some shit. And then he filled it. He was the drummer for the Monkees for like multiple Whoa. years. And he wrote a book, and uh, he's a regular at one of my restaurants. And he's like, I'd love to be on your show. And I'm like, fuck, let's do it. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy. Tell me some stories, Oh, man. he's probably got some crazy stories. You know, he he's very subdued. He's very... And, you know, I'm not kidding. He, he's very mm-hmm. motivational. He's a really good guy. Like, he's the, one of the nice. He, he goes, I understood my role as the drummer. Yeah, you have goes, to. I, I wasn't. I didn't need to be. I'm fine being in the back. I'm mm-hmm. fine. Because most people don't realize the drummer is the leader of the band. Like, we oh, yeah, keep for the sure. beat for Like, mm-hmm. I'm the, I have to be the responsible one. Are you a one. drummer, too? I am not. Oh, okay. But I'm a, I just... I have Dave Grohl's book sitting over there too. Oh yeah, I'm a huge Dave Grohl fan, and uh, I just had. Oh come on, what is the guy's uh, Cook Andrew Cook? Okay. Do you know Andrew Cook? Andrew, uh, the uh, like from the Fox. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he rules. He's also the drummer for Dan and Shay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know so, that whole that whole us and the Fox have like a similar story uh, as far as like musicians gone into like the restaurant food industry. I think that in Music City, there's such there's a, a lot. I think yeah. there's such a parallel between writing music in the creativity that it takes to create music mm-hmm. kind of like a chef creating a dish and then the vulnerability of mm-hmm. creating something and then putting it out there for people to hear and chefs creating a dish and then putting it out there on a menu and like yeah. accepting this feed it's a whole thing yeah that's the artistic side of it the creative side of it but then there's a the whole thing of the logistical side of like you learn to like live in a van and eat shit but like have the best time of your life but make it work you're able to like have the logistical side of like trying to push for this art thing that you want to make it happen even though you're eating eating shit and like defying the odds right I remember um, one of my good friends, Salim, he's now Billy Eilish's monitor engineer. Like during the pandemic, I remember talking to him. He's like, fuck this. He's like, man, I'm going to school. And he like went and he got his coding degree right afterwards. And he did that. And then like went back on tour with Billy and he's just been a band dude. And I remember him saying like, yo, like, I lived in a van and ate shit and made zero money. And I had the time of my life. He's like, I ain't afraid of shit, you know, like, <laughs> I there's like, a resilience this, everything that. can kind of fall to shit but like I know that I can sleep on someone couch someone's couch and like make my way up and have fun and and love my life so it's like whatever let's go and I, I really loved that and there's like a resilience with the with the, the musicians like there that have actually toured there's a there's a book I just we just did I think on Brandon's book club it's called the comfort crisis by a guy named Michael Easter mm-hmm. and the whole book is about this is your, I'm holding my hand. This is your, this is where you live. Mm-hmm. And this is your potential. If you're willing to oh, yeah. get uncomfortable, if you can be uncomfortable oh, yeah. and learn to live uncomfortably. Yeah. That's a whole thing. 
and I think you just nailed it. Like if I can live in a van and eat shit, mm-hmm. like and I can do that. What everything else in this world is amazing, especially to you. if you can do that and love it. Yeah, if you can do that and, and like, love it, be like this. Like that's some of the best times I've ever had. And waking up in the fucking Walmart parking lot, like eating nothing, you yeah. know, and then just going off and playing shows. Like I think about when I was a server in Chicago living in a the tiniest studio apartment where I literally mm-hmm. had to walk through my closet to get to my bathroom oh, yeah. and thinking, man, I can't wait until I own my own restaurant one day. And here I am in that world and thinking, man, those were some really good times. Exactly. You have everything that you wanted. And then it's like, yeah, now we're just like, sometimes we almost create a monster of like, mm -hmm. you know, here's all the things that I want. And now that I have them, it's like, Oh fuck. That's a, that's no, a hundred percent. Like you nailed it. That's a thing that I keep saying to myself. Cause it's like the business has been like really hard for me the last year, just life in general. But like, it's ironic that the thing I've set to like, built to like set me free has like currently enslaved me. Absolutely. And it, it is absolutely a monster. So why have you had a hard year? If, if I may ask, we are supported by Robin's insurance, a local insurance agency providing customized insurance policies, sound guidance and attentive service. Robin's insurance is the go-to agency for hospitality professionals in Nashville. Listen, Robbins knows how hard industry professionals work every single day. They also know how devastating accidents can be. Be it a grease fire that damages the kitchen, a severe storm that cuts off power, or a customer slip and fall incident. Both the extensive experience and the savvy to create a policy that protects your business from accidents like those, you can rest easy knowing that the work you've put in will not be for nothing. Visit Robin's website at robinsins.com to request a consultation or call Matthew Clements directly. His number is 863-409-9372. Protection you can trust. That's Robin's. I think one of the most overlooked things that you can do on a P&L, which is your profit and loss statement, is dish machine and chemicals. It's just one of those things you don't focus on until it's too late. Let Jason Ellis from Supersource come in and do an audit of what you're currently doing and why you're doing it. His number is 771-337-1143. We believe here at Nash Restaurant Radio that every single thing that you do should be done intentionally in a restaurant and allowing some company to come in and just fix your dish machine without you knowing what's really happening is exactly what we're talking about. The thing Jason does the best is he can help educate you on exactly what's going on with all of your dish machines and chemicals. He can do staff trainings to understand why you're using what you're using, again, to be intentional. They don't make you sign any type of contract. They are week to week and can get you a brand new dish machine with three free months of dish machine rental. You need to check them out. Go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com, click the Sponsors tab, and then you will see super source click that tab for a special or give jason ellis a call at 770-337-1143 we absolutely love partnering with sharpier's bakery aaron moso has been selling bread fresh baked bread to locally owned and operated restaurants six days a week for 36 years yes her father started the company 36 years ago and aaron took it over uh five years ago and it is doing amazing things I have so many guests that come in the studio that are like, I love Sharpies. They save me so much time and the bread is so good. So we, uh, we've we got round buns, specialty round buns, dinner rolls, hoagies, baguettes, 
They do cheesecake. They do flourless chocolate torts. They do specially loaf breads and regular loaf breads and boulies. Boulies? B-O-U-L-E-S? Sourdough, long Tuscan, wheat, multigrain. They got everything. You should go check them out at sharpies.com. That is sharpies, C-H-A-R-P-I-E-R-S.com. Or you should give them a call at 615-356-0872. Supporting local is so damn important. And Aaron Moso and all of our friends over at Sharpies Bakery do that daily. Give her a call right now. That's a that's yeah a, no hundred percent right? like you nailed it. That's a thing that I keep saying to myself because it's like the business has been like really hard for me the last year, just life in general. But like it's ironic that the thing I've set to like built to like set me free has like currently enslaved me. Absolutely, and it it is absolutely a monster. So why have you had a hard year? If if I may ask, um, this year has been harder than any any of COVID. Um, I think all the manufacturing things are, uh, catching up like supply chain. Um, just, you know, the plant-based meat is like down right now, 13%. Like I was talking to my accountant, just like everything's down. I bought my building and I'm going through a big construction thing. Um, and it's just, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of competitors now. Mm -hmm. Like plant-based is so cool that there's a lot of, uh, big money coming in and, uh, flooding the market with like they've got a shitload of money so right. it's like i'm like this self-funded kind of guy and then you have like field roast or morningstar or beyond or impossible and they come and they can buy a shelf they have like hundreds of thousand dollars for promotional they, they can afford to like innovate and not make any money where it's like i can't send anything and not get paid for it and like really it, it, it like hurts and so now also like I've grown to a point to where it's like we're a smaller business still, but we're playing in a much bigger pond with like with Beyond and Impossible and all these players. And so that's just a really expensive game to where it's like pieces of equipment that I need to be able to automate things or just it's not just like a couple thousand dollars for a freezer or something. We're talking about like a minimum of 20, 30 for like one piece of equipment Having and i just don't have small steps to taking those big steps yeah up. and then and then every thought every step i've taken like i've i've been funding it myself and taking out loans so like i'm just leveraged to the gills and so there's that thing there's like a whole personal thing that's been going on i feel like just this year i've kind of been like gutted and like my just been like a brand like yeah my entire being has been gutted this year and i've had to like put it back together and trying to figure it out um, and I feel like a slave to it. And it's ironic because all these things are kind of pushing me in that direction. I still love it. I'm stoked about what we're doing. I'm really proud of what we're doing, but it's, 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 it's rough. Yeah. Like if I just had the deli, it'd be so easy. The deli is so easy. And I was just talking to a, another chef the other day and I go, it's for me. Cause I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a business owner in a mm. restaurant sense, I have a, but it's lonely. Oh man, it's that's so, been killing me. It's lonely <laughs> because you're you're as a visionary, as somebody who's constantly looking mm -hmm. six months, a year, ten years, twenty years down the road, like what do I need to do? And you have people that you you're providing for. Like mm -hmm. I'm trying to maintain this business so that I can provide for all of these right. people who've entrusted that into me. Yeah. And the things I'm looking at, things I'm doing, I'm 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 out there trying to figure it out. And yeah. it's like I don't who do I talk to about this? Like I, oh, I, I'm man. going through all this stuff and it's, mm -hmm. it's, I just feel like it's lonely. Like I, it's hard. I say to Tony all the time, 
I always feel like I'm on an island by myself. And even mm-hmm. though Tony and I are business partners, we're both kind of so focused on different aspects of the business. Yeah. That but at least you have him. That And that is true. Yeah. I, I have always been grateful to have him as a partner. But, you know, I feel like especially over the last year, I have quite a few friends who are in business independently. And it's something I've probably taken for granted. Yeah, I think that's kind of like one of the things is because I like got out of this relationship and then I have this business and then all my relationships with like my friends, but like they're also my employees or it's like everything's just transactional. And for the business, I just have to be the guy that like solves everyone's problems and pays everyone and figures this out and and has to be calm. And I have to approach everything with like this psychological approach to make sure I say the right thing and get them to be motivated and stoked even after having to like tell them that they just fuck something up or something. And it's just like at the end of the day, and then I just like go home and I'm like, don't even have time for, I don't have a lot yeah. of time to give or energy to give to anyone else. But then I'm just like, okay, like call my sister, call my mom. I can't do that. It's like, I love my dog so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I fucking love that dog so much. And then, so one thing I am grateful for though, is I've joined uh, EO which is oh, like nice. an entrepreneur yeah. organization. And that has been really great to be able to talk to people that are going through the same thing that I'm going through. Cause what a lot of people, you, guys, you don't know about EO and this entrepreneur organization. Okay. It's a global network. Um, and then there's a, there's chapters all over the country. And so Nashville is actually the largest chapter in the country um, behind New York. New York should be it, but there's like separated into two chapters. Do you, um, do you know Jolene Smithing? No. Okay, she's a big into EO. I don't know if there's different groups. She's one of the owners of our restaurants. Oh, okay. And the other owner, Stephen, we do Vistage. Oh, nice. Either side. Yeah. Similar deal. It's uh, Yeah, so it's been cool. And, like, you know, I'm not a club guy. And a lot of my friends, I'm, like, kind of punk musician. Like, fuck that. But, like, the forum that I have, what you basically get put into, like, forums of, like, up to eight people. And you just, like, dive deep into, like, talking about this. You help each other. And you, like, you know, from relationships to, like, your children to like, I need to fire this person or like, what do I do with the economy Issue or everything? Yeah. And so, and so that's Great. been like really cool um, because they understand what I'm going through. And it's um, speakers that come month. It's a monthly mm-hmm. meeting, right? It's yeah. We meet monthly. I'm actually like leaving tomorrow for like a, like a retreat in Boston. So we do like a long retreat and I'm the retreat planner. So that's been kind of stressing me out, that's but it's awesome. like, it is really cool. I've got to learn more about this. It's really cool. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a godsend for the owners of our restaurant. I had to, I, I say it's lonely. I, I had an employee the other day, mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm in the restaurant. I'm, I try not to manage too many people, but I had to manage somebody. And I'm like, hey, like I need you to do this. And she's like, you don't pay me enough to do that. Mm. And it was this moment for me that I didn't like snap because oh, yeah. I was like, what? And then she went on this like, eight minute diatribe about and used kept using the words they them you guys mm-hmm. this place and all this stuff and i it absolutely defeated me it's really hard people you know the classic thing my contractor he owns his business he's like what are you talking about it's like we make all the money we like vacation all the time what do you what are you saying like we're rich and it's like wait 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 wait, wait. like I struggle every single week to like pay yes. everyone, and you don't even understand. I keep that from you guys. I've been yeah. saying for years to my other restaurant owner friends, you know, I think that 
for whatever reason, so many employees have the perception that every restaurant owner is Danny Meyer Mm -hmm. and that we're all just endlessly resourced Mm -hmm. and traveling and living in nice places and driving nice cars. I'm like, if you guys knew what I really made and, and what my, what things really are like for people who own restaurants behind the scene. Oh yeah. It's not that. And I think that a lot of times there's a lack of sympathy for business owners for that reason. I think that we also have a, a, an industry where PR is everything and you have to give this image of success. Right. And there are, the thing is, is that there are definitely industries and businesses that take advantage of their employees Absolutely. and like, don't pay them enough. Oh, and, yeah. and like, you know, that's like big business and like people should be pissed about that. Like for sure. hundred percent. But it's, it's, you know, sometimes they don't see that's like the small business owners are just like, I feel like I've been treading water for the last year, like straight up and it doesn't stop. And my analogy is like, man, every time you get like a win, like you're playing a video game, you get like, you unlock this door. you like, you get to go to this door to the next level. Yes. So this I walk like through the door. Right oh no, there. I just get punched in the face, like straight up. I walk through the door and I just get socked and I'm like, fuck. And it's like, it's okay, cool. Like, here we go. Get back up and go. I you have know? to learn this level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's wild. There's, there's like no, there's like seemingly no wins when like everyone's like man you're killing it i'm like thanks you're like yeah everything's great all Mm -hmm. the time and it is cool like you know i'm doing some cool shit and i i i'm stoked about it and i kind of like the craziness but it's yeah it's uh from the other side of it it's just like it's relentless well it's interesting because i just went to this event two weeks ago Mm -hmm. the day of the tennessee vols big victory over alabama Mm -hmm. uh the beehive presented a a huge plant-based Event, like, what was it? The we actual? call it a gathering of the plant. We a uh, gathering of Nashville's plant-based community. It's so a barbecue. It's a barbecue. Bar- That's barbecue. Yeah. That's what it's called. Yeah, the barbecue. Yeah. Those things are fun. I had yeah. a blast. Mm-hmm. By the way, I learned a lot. Awesome. Um, it was really cool. Tried some amazing food. Yeah. Um, just it was a neat vibe there. I loved it. But one thing that I could tell, and I don't think people recognize, is how stressful that is. Oh man. And like, I, I, yeah. I met you that day. Uh-huh. I met you that day for mm-hmm. the first time. And I, and I was there kind of as an invited, I was there early Yeah, and there wasn't anybody there yet. And I could see you were like, man, I mm-hmm. hope that there's a massive turnout. And you didn't say, here's, here's the difference. You didn't say, I hope there's a massive turnout because I need to make a lot of money. Oh, you yeah. said, I really hope that a lot of people show up because I really want to show all these people who have come to this event, like the, the vendors yeah, I want who are there. I want to be a good vibe. I, I want, want everybody like, to do well today. And, and like even most, mostly as like, I want the out of town vendors to like make some money. Yeah. And I want people to, I want people to see that and be like, damn, the vegan community. Like there's a lot of people here. This food is good. This is a fucking party. Like that's what I want. And, and I got I was, that vibe there. Yeah, that's thank you. That's awesome. I got that for sure. Um, yeah, and it's and I'm always like worried if like uh, if people aren't going to show up. But we started with events like 11 years ago. That's that's how we we started. Like my Satan company, the the like the Satan division, call it that. Like came from events after doing it for a year and a half. The deli came from events and from other things. Like all of these things we've just stumbled into. So it's always been like a community outreach. Be like we started at Wild Cow with like on Tuesdays they were closed. Uh, $10 vegan buffet, all you can eat, different nonprofit, gave a percentage to Wild Cow. And then we just built it like that and got our chops up and just brought people in. And the reason why I like that community event is because 
talking doesn't really like make people listen. I feel like it doesn't really change their minds. If you can, I have watched people walk into that place in wild cow, like 11 years ago. And they'd be like, I don't know about this vegan shit. Like I'm, this is vegan. And they'd be like, it smells good. It looks good. I was like, dude, just go put a little bit of each thing on your plate. I like 10 things. And so they would do that. They would take a plate and they put like 10 different things on there just a little bit. And they'd be like, all right, they eat it. And then they would be like, I like this one and this one and this one. So they go back and they like pile their plate full of that. And then they might even go back for a third one. And then on the way out, like so many times people would be like, man, uh, this is crazy. Like I just ate so much and I'm full and it tasted good. And I also like, if I would have eaten that much meat, I would have to go take a nap right now, but I feel good. And that alone made them think, whoa, this is maybe not just rabbit food. Maybe I can actually like, maybe vegan isn't bullshit. Maybe I can try this. It's possible. And then that leaves them open-minded to start trying stuff. So being able to have those community events and build it to like a bigger Nashville thing where, you know, Nikki's you're not fully vegan, but like you had that event that we threw and it was like, Oh, Whoa. Yeah. And that totally inspired us to change our menu. We never had regular plant-based offerings before. And when we saw what an incredible turnout you had. Mm-hmm. What an incredible following. And how grateful that you had. like everyone is and oh stoked gosh. about it. People were so excited. So kind. Everybody yeah. was so yeah. kind at that event. So now we always have multiple plant based items yeah. on our menu and it's been great. People for know us. know you for it. Like yeah. I mean, I know like hardcore vegans, it's like, yeah, you know, pizza is where I go, I go to Nikki's type What's of thing. That? Thank you. And <laughs> and I think that's like that's kind of like what we try to do. And I think that's the one cool thing about food is that like you could just give someone a sandwich and it's like, ah, oh, thanks. And it opens up. You're like, just like, fuck everything else. It's like, here's some good food. And if you just start with that, it's just a way to like, kind of just take everyone off guard and just be able to eat food. And then we can talk about whatever we want. You know what I'm saying? But it's like a real communicative thing where you can kind of just like, it's like kind of an activism thing for me, but it's like really just like, here's some food. It's nourishment. It's really good. Yeah. Something I think that's really special about what you do that, you know, I think it's overlooked in a lot of plant-based food. And I'd love to hear your take on this is that you make really, really delicious food. It has to be. And I think that unfortunately for such a long time, no, you really do. Um, I think for such a long time, a lot of people who don't eat plant-based not only have the perception that Mm -hmm. that plant-based food isn't delicious, but have had bad experiences with plant-based food. I mean, this EO group, I was like really nervous to take them food eventually because they're just like, literally one of the guys had some food in his mouth. He like was about to eat. He's like, wait, this is vegan. And he almost put it down. I was like, shut the fuck up. Like eat this thing. Yeah. And, um, and like one of the guys, like three or four times, he's like, this is so good. And they were blown away. And I was like, wait, they were like, I've never had vegan food like this. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, good. It's like yeah. not even like, it's just like, it's never been good. Why is that? Why is there so much bad vegan food out there? <laughs> is there, so, I, I don't, here's the thing. I don't know if that's a oh, true statement. It's kind of a not true yours, statement. Is it? It's but. kind of a true statement. Like I just, oh man. That's before we fu- worked that's so with funny. you, we had brought in, I feel like one or two times before for like a, a food allergy for mm-hmm. a party or something, we brought in like a, I won't name names, but a, a plant-based cheese for a pizza. And just oh like, yeah, oh, this is terrible. People like Why the, is it so the, bad? the cheese is like a the most of the brands are kind of just like a starch-based, where they will like stick to the roof of your mouth, and they're Ugh. really bad. Um, 
why is it so bad? I like, I don't know. I think it has definitely come a long way in the past five years. Um, you know, and I think that's awesome. And I think it's way more accessible beyond and impossible. Like they've done a lot for the community and just the, the world. Like I can talk a little bit of shit about them at the same, but they really just like that impossible burger is tight. It's not like the most healthiest thing. It's like a bunch of processed ingredients, but it like is so good. And the first couple times I ate it, I was like, wait a second, is this really like vegan? And it looks, yeah, there's a look to it that also like the beats and how it like is, is red and that like right. there's a whole, mm-hmm. it bleeds. It's crazy. It changes. It yeah. Really, really well. Out? Uh, no, it does. It doesn't weird me out, but it, um, I mean, it did the first time. Yeah. Um, and I'm not like anti eating meat. I'm a little bit different than like most kind of like the, the vegan activist type of people. Okay. Um, I'd love to hear you talk about that. What? Because actually, that's something I didn't know about you. Um, I think eating meat can be done sustainably, and I think that um, that I think the human race wouldn't have gotten to the point we are without having uh animals and animal products in their life and i don't and and i don't think we should like totally disregard that i think we can eat as vegan as like a population because whole foods and places like that exist and like how great is life to where we can go to a grocery store and do that like that's kind of like a really privileged thing um i remember being at tin roof like probably 10 12 years ago and running into jordan tutu's like best friends and he was a hockey player for prez and i was like and they were so amazed that i was vegan and i was like super hardcore vegan at that point i was like everyone should be vegan like you humans should not ingest animals i was just like hardcore about and they were like wait i was like i don't understand like how are you vegan i was like what do you mean like it's easy bro and they were like we don't eat vegetables at all and i was like what are you talking about and he's like they show me their inuit card they're like native like Eskimos uh-huh. and I was like whoa and it's like this guy drives a snow mover like 10 11 months out of the year I eat caribou uh like seals whales like that's it when I wow. became a man like I killed a caribou they and don't I, have plants and I ate an organ on site he's like we don't have it and I was like whoa and I think at that point it kind of just made me think and I was like wait this is kind of a situational thing yeah um and so and I don't think also I don't think like I, you know, I think PETA and like the militant vegan kind of has a, has a, has a, uh, a place in the community could to kind of shock people to make like that kind of like led me on my journey, like seeing like some of the industrialized farming stuff. Mm. Um, and that led me to where I'm at. Um, but I think in general, like being able to have a compassionate and understanding mind of and rewarding people for doing good is a huge thing. Uh, at the same time, I will say I am very against uh, and the like industrialized animal agriculture. I think it's atrocious. I think it's bad for literally everything it touches. And I think it needs to be demolished. Um, and that's where my like veganism comes from. But like, if you were to have chickens in your backyard or like just the whole like old school farming principle, like, I don't think that is necessarily wrong. I think people should pay a premium for it. I think like, and I also think if I were to come on here and be like, no, fuck those guys, then, then they would never be, they would never listen to me. I would never be able to communicate with these people, you know, sure. and I think um, they would never s- want to listen. I think that's such a smart approach too. Yeah. Cause if you, like you were kind of saying earlier about different things you can do to change people's mind is being so open-minded and being willing to have this conversation that, that is, you know, 
accessible to a lot more people as exactly. opposed to saying, no, this is the only right way. And I think that is a macro approach to what the way I think about it is because I don't want everyone to become vegan. I think that's like unfair to ask of people. Yeah. I don't think it's possible. Like, I don't think like people who are super hardcore meat eaters are going to be like, all right, I'm going to be vegan. Like, cool. Like, like screw all this stuff. I don't think it's like an attainable goal. What I think is attainable is for most people to like eat less meat. And I think that would have a much bigger impact on a global structure of like trying to reduce climate, trying to reduce the factory farming. That's the goal that I'm looking for. And I think that's what like impossible and beyond are going for. And that's why I respect them is because they're just trying to make it accessible. It's like, if you have two options, it's like, I just want you to be like, to think that the non meat option is like plausible. Like, Oh wait, this is going to be good. I'm going to do this rather than like support this kind of like, this shitty thing over here. And then like, if you can have that mindset and like, maybe you're going to, if you have like 10 people, like maybe one of them, like will go vegan. Right. But like, if you, if you can get four or five or six of them to like eat like six, you know, three to five meals a week that are vegan, that does way more for the in total, the total like global economy and just the, like the impact of not eating meat and reducing that. Um, and that's, I think that's more, I think that's more attainable and that's kind of like what I want. I think you have so many, um, non-vegan allies too, who are working Mm -hmm. towards that same goal. You know, I I think there's so many chefs and, and farmers here locally who are so passionate about that same thing of, you know, not sourcing from factory farms and, right. you know, Wedge Oak Farm, Bear Creek Farm, you know. And, and so if I were to like take this hardcore militant vegan approach, like then you would like penalize those guys for doing something that was right. like, like in the better direction, knowing that like, you know, the, the world isn't going to just go vegan. Like right. this is not going to just pop off one day. Can you give us some, some stats and some facts? Because I hear you say things like, mm-hmm. Hey, if and I, I'm looking introspectively and i'm like i could probably not have that i could probably move to a beyond burger and i could Mm -hmm. i could easily replace you know i have a caesar salad every single monday sometimes i had chicken sometimes i don't but like brandon needs more vegetables i could easily not do that i'm thinking like that's not a big stretch no it's not not a big ask you're not saying it's so much harder than it really is they eat our cookies and they're like whoa there's no like they don't even know what's in there. There's no egg or dairy. He's like, no, nah, dude, it's just like sugar and oil. <laughs> and but so what are like, the, what is really easy? You say environmental impact. You mm-hmm. say, you know, this, uh, what are the things? What is so the environmental I, impact? How, if I decide to do that, if I say you've inspired me today, mm-hmm. I'm going to reduce my meat intake by 25%. Mm-hmm. One of every four meals, no meat in it. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll make that decision today. Mm-hmm. What does that impact? So classic, like, or, and I'm not like, like, uh, don't take any of these numbers. Like, you know, I'm not like in the shit out of this um, later But on. like classic vegan 101 for years has been like the entire meat uh, and animal agriculture produces more carbon dioxide than every single automobile on earth. Um, that's like classic. Um, and the reason why the guy got into impossible burger was because he was a scientist and he was trying to battle climate change. And they say that the animal agriculture is responsible for 15% of climate change, if not higher. Why? 
Um, well, is it like cow farts? Well, really? is that well, like no, thing? that is a huge thing. It's like, well, farts, but also like all the manure goes, has to go somewhere. And it's just pools of manure that are just like releasing carbon dioxide. Okay. All of the automobiles that are used to like transport them constantly. Um, the amount of food that they eat, uh, could they say like, and you know, this is like vegan one-on-one type of thing, but they say the amount of food that you can feed to like animals could get rid of starvation and like corn in, and, in the and country grain. yeah in the country or world like so most of the food and corn and grain we produce for this for our animals like oh wait sorry most of the corn and uh, grain that we produce in the world goes to animal agriculture animal agriculture and not actually to humans and it's kind of, and also the fucked up thing is that like cores don't cows don't eat corn they eat grass like it's very simple. So like then you like inject them full like they inject they inject them full of hormones to be able to like get as plump as possible and as quick amount of time because it's just a product and then they get sick because they're not supposed to be eating corn, they're supposed to be eating grass, so they get cancer and then they like put antibiotics into them. So now you're eating sick cows that like go into humans that like, you know, this is like a cancerous cow that like you're eating and That's it's like oh some this is great. cows, not all cows. Uh, I mean it can happen. I would I would argue that that it's like above 90% of the um, wow. of the animals produced in this country and world are sick and it's industrialized animal agriculture. Like you named a handful of like small local farms in Nashville, but like you got to realize that like that's only going to like boutique restaurants Absolutely. in town. And, and they can be hard to source from at times. Yeah. You know, I don't say that as a criticism of them at all. It's just that they are small farms. They yeah. can only produce so but much. But like, you know, if you like, you know, fast food, any generic like Ruby Tuesdays, any chain, like you got to realize that every restaurant out there wants to keep costs down as little as possible. And so they treat these things like factories and you know, they're living, breathing animals, you know, pigs oh, are saw, smarter than dogs. I saw it. I was at a chicken farm. Oh yeah. Chickens I mean, are bad. Like you two can get months ch- ago. Mm-hmm. So it's gnarly. I'm not going to say the, the farm producer, but we, we, can guess. we flew out there to check it out mm-hmm. on their private jet. Mm-hmm. But because it's in the middle of Georgia, the poultry capital of yeah. the, the country, but they all, there's a whole airport for chicken farmers. Like, Mm-hmm. They all have private jets. They have to fly into Atlanta and then drive yeah. a car. And like, no, we just have our own airport. Yeah. And like Tyson has like six jets. Yeah. Like that they oh, have. Big they business. Fly, but they have, we, we did the whole thing. They hatch all of the 350,000 a day are mm-hmm. hatched. And then those, and they're, they're producing, I think, 325,000 birds a day. Yeah. Through the entire process. Yeah. And the amount of corn, like the silos that they have, trains just coming in. Oh, yeah. Just, it's insane. I, they, I watched a train. They just pull this thing out the bottom, and it all just comes out the bottom. There's these huge holding tanks, and there's compartments, and they can make all this feed. And they it's not sustainable, and it's really, really, really it fucked isn't, up. But I mean, to think about it, like what you just said, yeah. I mean, airplanes take a lot of fuel, mm-hmm. and they take they make a lot of waste, and then mm-hmm. all the I mean, three hundred fifty thousand a day. Oh yeah. Chickens and I was talking day. to a guy where they were saying that this one pork processing facility does thirty five thousand pigs a day. Wow, that's that's, that's slaughtering thirty five thousand pigs a day, and people get upset when you look at your dog wrong. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. 
And it's like, uh, and, but they don't want to see it. They don't, they don't want to watch these videos because if like, if any conscious human being sees any of this shit, they'll be like, I don't want to eat that. But like, ah, oh, but my like hot chicken or my like my barbecue. Well, I still eat chicken. That was there. Right. I saw it. But, and, and but, I mean, the thing is, I think that you need to see if you're going to eat meat and they think the opinions like, like hunting, mm-hmm. like I'm not against hunting if you're a hunter gatherer and you're hunting because you're supplying your family with food i think so but if you're going out and shooting deer so you can put a big trophy on the wall right i don't agree with that yeah and it's like the circle of life exists you know it's like we are all on this earth using the earth and we should use it in a sustainable way and i just think that's like it's possible we're just so far from it um and then how do you like make a dent when like tyson and all those companies are just like making the laws and just running the industry and making it so cheap that like any of these restaurants are like, Oh yeah. Like $2, $3 a pound for chicken. Like let's go where like, I I don't like, I mean, yeah, it's like, it's when I'm trying to sell pepperoni in New York, pre pre pre, uh, COVID, I don't know what it is now, but they were like, Hey, yeah. So all our pepperoni is like $3 a pound. Like that's what we get used to. And so I'm trying to sell it for like $8 a pound, you know, so I have to compete with that. But it's like when you have these big businesses that it's not, they're not products. I mean, they're not animals. They're not conscious beings. They're products. Like you grow those chickens to like, you pump them full of hormones and they like plump up and they can't even stand because it's just not, it's not natural. And then people wonder why, like we're so sick as a society because we don't eat real food. There's a lot of conversation right now, obviously about inflation and, you know, the cost of doing business and how expensive things are. But there's a lot of things that I think, you know, right now are as expensive as they should be. I think eggs is a great example. You know, Um, eggs are wholesale right now, 50 Mm -hmm. cents a piece. And a lot of people are freaking out. That is much more than we're used to paying. Right. But that's how much eggs should cost that's, that's really yeah, my mom said that she's like man groceries the other day like you know eggs cost like five dollars and i was like mom i was like you're not the right person to talk to about eggs being more expensive <laughs> like, like that's what i said because i was like you don't want to get me i know you don't want to hear what i have to say but they should be more expensive and right. meat should be more expensive right they should live longer lives they should like live healthily they should be they should it should be done in a sustainable way and that costs money Ben, what are your thoughts about, you know, kind of, um, you know, things costing should be costing more money and and sustainability as it relates to access and people who maybe don't have the same access that the three of us sitting here at this table have to fresh, healthy food and, you know, kind of what's, what's your take on that? If you know what I'm asking, man, that's an interesting one getting into the the politics of things. Sorry, am I getting too, too heavy first thing? I mean, no, I I love it. It's a. that's important. This is what we need to be talking about. You know, I think Nashville is a great example. We have a lot of food deserts here in Nashville oh, and sure. people who have no access to vegetables, organic or mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, or, or fresh food at all. I mean, I think it, I think it all goes back to the industrialization of this, of these systems, you know, where it's like the government rewards and subsidizes these big corporations, the corn, they, 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 they subsidize like non-food. And then they, these companies get so much money that they, just like buy the shelves up and then they have, they just, they can, they can produce all this stuff. And so when you have these, uh, the stores or restaurants, they just want sustainability and they want it for as cheap as possible. So it's like kind of from a top down thing that like we reward the people that take advantage of humans and give us shitty food and then don't reward or help out like the small guys. So it's hard. And I think the interesting thing about like GMOs and organic is a hard one too, because it's like, 
everyone, most people like hate GMOs and they hate this, the animal agriculture and everything. But it's interesting because all of these things were started in the name of just trying to feed humans. Right. And it's like a kind of an unknown side effect of just making sure that plants didn't go bad in like a bad winter or something right. like that. They just grew and now you have GMO and yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think the access in the food de- deserts kind of conversation is like a completely different thing, but it's heightened because of the options that we have. And, you know, I don't like people, we just teach them the wrong things. You know what I'm sure. saying? Like we just put the emphasis on the wrong things. Sure. And so people don't know how to grow their own food. They don't know what to look for. They just buy shit. They're only like given the shitty options. Um, so what do you think about fast food places now offering plant-based options? That's an interesting one because a lot of, a lot of vegans kind of hate the fact that like beyond, uh, Burger, Burger King, King took over the impossible burger because it's like, Oh, well they don't care about humans. They don't care about like not serving chicken. And I guess I'll be the first one to say like, fuck Burger King and fuck all those places. <laughs> like none of that is good for sure. people, but it also does provide people with a really cheap meal um, that they can eat and people need to eat. And like, you know, you could say eating shit is better than eating nothing. Yeah. So, so there's that side of it. But I do think just to finish that statement, I do think that like in some ways good on Burger King for, for now having that option. Right. So now like Burger King basically has an impossible option. So now those people, anybody can go to Burger King. I have gone to Burger King because it's actually pretty good. And it's like, you can get like a really cheap impossible burger that's vegan and like, you know, a little bit morally sustainable and better. And so now you're giving those people options. So I don't feel like putting them up on a cross and just like, just basically kind of just like, punishing them for doing that when they don't really care about it, but they're actually like taking some of their big money dollars and being like, nah, like here's an option. Like I'm pro option. Well, if, if your basis behind this is creating a a better future for our, our Mm -hmm. people that are coming after us and reducing carbon footprints and accessibility, 25% of my meals, if I'm going to go to being impossible and now there's an option for me to go get that on every street corner, like that I can just, the accessibility to getting a vegan option. Mm -hmm. I don't have to drive. I don't, I don't, I live 26 minutes from East Nashville or mm-hmm. I live, you know, I'm not close to the farmer's yeah, market. And it's like, not accessible. So like, like in those neighborhoods, I got a Burger King five minutes from my exactly. house. Exactly. So I mean, if my 25% of my meals is I'm going to go to Burger King, like, well then good for them for giving that option right. because yeah. that over all the Burger Kings cross country, however much they sell is all reducing that. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, yeah. Oh, for sure. Because I mean, you got to think like fast food places are probably one of the biggest purveyors of meat in the country. So it's like oh, if you far. could just get them to take a couple percentage of that and transfer it over to plant based options, that's a huge impact. One percent. Yeah. If they did one percent of a Burger King right. does. And it's also going to change people's minds. Yeah. Right. It's going to be like, oh, it wait, opens the door. I, I can do this. And then I maybe I don't feel as shitty afterwards. Right. Maybe people who don't have access to go to a whole foods can mm-hmm. still try exactly those, those products so, at a place like Burger King. So I'm pro that. Like I, I personally am pro that, you know, I mean, Tyson has like a line of like vegan chicken now. Oh, wow. Yeah. And same with like Hormel there. Do they have a whole line, happy little plants where they're like just switching over and they have like a line. So they're putting some of their money. I don't think they're really good. I think they're really processed, but it's showing that like these big corporations are seeing the drop of, 
profits and they're trying to put some of the money there so they can provide them options as well and although i could say like it's a business decision though. yeah it has nothing to do with but see that's the thing when the you reasons behind it yeah and so that's that that's why my approach is like diverting dollars because i come from the approach of like activism activism being like unless you change the flow of money and take the money out of those big dogs pockets they will not listen to you they do not care about anything unless they're making money you can you can riot you can like go hit the streets you can vote but if they're still making the same amount of money from yesterday after this and that doesn't matter they're just going to pay their way into making it law for them to do whatever the fuck they want I think a lot of times when people want to see a big change in something, they want it to happen instantly. And I think that what's really important is to make lasting change is it has to happen incrementally. Mm -hmm. It has to happen in small steps. It's not going to happen overnight. So, you know, while it doesn't mean, hey, stop trying, it means be be grateful for small wins. Right. And spend your dollar on the things that you care about because if you're voting against something or like, this is one thing I think about if you're like pro climate to be like trying to save the planet, like, but you like eat a shitload of shitty meat. It's like, you're, it's like, it's hypocritical. You know what I'm saying? Like to me, it's just like doing these things and spending your money and supporting the industries that are like destroying the things that you're like talking on Instagram about. It's just, you're not doing anything. You're literally, it's you're, you're just talking. Well, I think that's, that's, I mean, I, I want myself into that category. I drive an electric car, but it's, I love meat. Like I feel yeah. like I'm doing something right, but like I'm not, and I support, I mean, I have several sponsors of the show. That yeah. I, don't, I don't know their ethical standards <laughs> and what they do as far as that's concerned, but that's just because I'm not educated. Yeah. I mean, that's just because, I mean, it's not because I don't believe that or I think that it's just because I don't, I'm ignorant to it. And you also just have to like keep your business alive and you got to be able to like, you're trying to do some good and there's the bottom line of like, you know, I'm not like nonprofits are awesome, but if they're not sustainable financially, like they, like, you know, then you can't just rely off grants. Some do, but it's just like the idea of like social entrepreneurship is where it's like, you know, like beehive, like I've got, I'm a big advocate, but it's like, if I don't make enough money to like keep my business afloat, my impact is nil because I'm not doing shit anymore. So like you have to be able to survive and it's hard as a small business owner trying to do things that you care about because you know, it's a, uh, everything is kind of set against you. You have to hit all these hurdles and, and you have to like pick and choose which things you care about and which things you don't to try to be able to like find your lane and mission to be able to make things happen. How long have you been doing this? Uh, we hit 11 years within like a, I started the LLC, I think October 11th, we threw our first one, November 11th, 2011. So like I'm about to hit 11 years. Congrats. 11, 11, 11, 11 mm-hmm. was the day. Oh shit. Did you say November 11th, 2011? Yeah, that's cool. So it was 11, 11, <laughs> Did 11. No, I didn't that? realize that. Oh my God. <laughs> that's fucking funny. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, that like, was our first event. An easy yeah. day to remember. Mm-hmm. Like one, 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 one. So I'm just, I'm thinking about all this and I'm, my brain hurts right now because <laughs> I feel, I, no, I feel so political, so, like it's nine o'clock in the morning. It's good. No, I love this, but I feel so small and uneducated. Mm-hmm. I feel like I focus on so many things. And I just, I'm so intrigued right now that I want to learn. It feels like an uphill battle. It like is definitely an uphill every battle. person that you meet you're constantly trying to educate them because I don't, 
like we're having this meeting because you guys asked this question, no, no, right? No. And then, and I brought that stuff up. So like, I don't try to educate people. I just try to put something in their mouth that tastes good in a sandwich. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> just to clarify that, it's like, this is good food. And that alone will allow them to think that options are available. Yeah. You're definitely not that like preachy. Oh no, I'm not, guy, I'm not. Right? That's not what I'm saying at all. That's not what I'm saying. But people are naturally inquisitive. Oh yeah. So when they stumble upon you or they learn about you, they, there's naturally a bunch of yes. questions that people ask. Mm-hmm. And then that stokes conversations yeah. where you, yeah, where people ask you, they say, mm-hmm. what is the environmental impact? And you have yeah. to go, you don't have to, but I mean, 11 years yeah. of going through this, mm-hmm. like there's a tenacity there. And I mean, I think there's something more that says about you of just like a passion for this and a, yeah. and a, and a grit and determination of, I'm going to, do you feel like you're slowly changing the world? Do you feel like you're doing, do you get satisfaction at yes. the end of the day? Do when you, when you lay your head on your pillow, are you like, I've, I did the right thing today I, and I continue to do the right thing and I'm empowered by what I'm doing or it, is it exhausting? Oh, it's totally exhausting. <laughs> And I could like kind of, I'm, I'm a huge devil's advocate where I could be like, oh, none of our efforts are like, like the fact that I try to recycle at home doesn't mean shit. If like the industries don't do anything like my not eating of meat, like doesn't do shit. If like a population doesn't change it. So like, there's like the idea of being like, oh, the feudalism where it's just like nothing, everything is futile, like nothing matters. And then idealism where if like, oh, if I do this, I've changed the world. So I like get stuck in this thing. Um, I think where I come from is that like really what happened for me was, is like, I, I grew like, I nine 11 fucked me up. I was in DC when it happened in Maryland, when it happened, my dad's impressed. It kind of messed me up. It made me thinking about, it made me look at different things in a different world. And then I became this like kind of conspiracy theorist. Everyone's out to get me. Oh no. Like, Oh shit. And then I realized I was like, if I like, this is just ruining me. This is ruining my headspace. So what am I going to do about it? I can either just live my life and be ignorant or I can like join the government and try to like fight, but then I have to play their game to be able to change something. And it left me in this whole thing of like, what do I do? And it's just like, you know what? I'm going to do my shit. I'm going to play music. I'm going to do art. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to do and try to make as much money as possible doing it, but do it in a sustainable way where I feel good about it. And I try to make a difference and I try to really divert dollars away from the things that I don't support. And I don't think like, you know, talking on Instagram, I don't, there's so many people that think they do something, but unless you're like diverting money or like kind of actively opening up conversations and changing minds, I don't feel like you're doing anything. And I feel like it's the industries that need to change. So I'm basically trying to create an industry and divert money that way. Yeah. I think a lot of people think that posting memes is yeah, <laughs> the it way just it makes them feel better right. about themselves. Right. Um, and that's fine. And I think even with you, you're like, Oh, I got to think about this. And, and I don't think people should be like hard on themselves for not knowing or staying in their lane of just like being comfortable with certain things. It's like what we know. And if you grew up eating meat and that's what it was and that was the norm, there's nothing wrong with that. You just maybe should be a little bit more conscious about it or maybe like look into it. And if you don't know, you shouldn't be punished for it. But yeah, if you can, if you can learn about it and then maybe, you know, buy, you, you learn about it. You're like, Oh, this is good. I'm going to try this. And then you just start spending uh, more morally and consciously. And then you're more aware that is just like 
really what I ask from anyone. It's just like, just to like be more aware and conscious and think about what you do and then go from there. Cause I can't control shit. Yeah. <laughs> I just do what I'm doing. The most powerful thing is that I can only control one person in this you. world. And it's the person I look at every morning in the mm-hmm. mirror. And it really hit me really hard during the civil rights movement in 2020 was everybody's, are you racist? You're a race. There's all these fingers pointing. He's trying to identify a thing. And I stopped and there's a a really great book that I love. It's called QBQ, the question behind the question. Mm -hmm. And it's about personal accountability. And it comes back to rephrasing questions you ask yourself. So a lot of it's self-talk, but what can it's inserting yourself into the answer versus how come everybody's a racist? You change that to what can I do to not be a racist? What can I do to help others? Whatever it might be. But I think the question is, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. Mm-mm. Everybody else in this world is going to do what they're going to do. If every single person in the world just looked in the mirror and said, what can I do to be a better person today? Mm-hmm. And what can I do to educate myself and on the really big social? Yeah. What can I do? Not what can you do or what can you mm-hmm. do, but what can I do? Yeah. I think so many people are so focused on other people and I got to change you. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, just, just. Just change change yourself. yourself. And if everybody did that, if everybody out there just said, I'm going to look in the mirror today and I'm going to see, I'm going to ask myself these, what can I do to be an anti-racist? Yeah. Ask yourself that. Not let me tell you what you can do. Oh, yeah. No. Everyone gets defensive in that approach. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a thing. But I mean, that's, it's just to me, like, that's what I'm going through. I'm like, what can I do today? And recycling is one of those things. Because I, we recycle all of our stuff and I drive it down to the convenience center and I yeah. sort it and I put it away and I'm like, does this really matter? And I'm like, it does probably it, not. It doesn't matter. It's something that I, if everybody in the world did this, mm-hmm. if everybody in the world said, what can I do to help create a more cared, sustainable yeah. earth? 20 mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. I mean, well, the, the, yeah, I mean, China doesn't take the, the recycling anymore. It's like, guys, if you're out there, looking for somebody to service your fire extinguishers, your hood suppression system. You need somebody to work on your alarm system. You need fire alarms. Let me tell you, Corson Fire and Security is you're really your only choice. Uh, nobody else comes close to what they can do. And my guy, Kevin Rose, is a specialist. He works with restaurants. His number is 615-974-2932. Guys, they work on fire extinguishers, fire sprinkler systems, fire alarm systems, fire suppression systems, access control systems, and they do it all. And isn't it so much better when you have somebody who you can call when you need it? That is what they're for. They're proud sponsors of the Titans and the Predators and Nashville Restaurant Radio. We're so excited to partner with Corson Fire and Security. You need to call them today. Are you like everybody else in Nashville? Are you looking for staff? Are you trying all of the sites and not getting any traction? What you need to do is you need to check out Poached Hospitality Jobs. All you have to do is go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com. You click the Sponsors tab and you go down. There's a link there. And when you are when you place your ad, use the promo code Nashville Restaurant Radio and your ad will be free. Right, So my listeners are going to get a free post on Poached Jobs for hospitality. Uh, You need to go right now. Go to poachedjobs.com or go to nashvillerestaurantradio.com. Click the Sponsors tab. Use the promo code Nashville Restaurant Radio and post away for free. Health insurance isn't something that typically restaurants offer, especially locally owned and operated restaurants, because it is expensive. 
It doesn't have to be that way anymore. You need to call my buddy Dan Marr. He's over at Southern Health Insurance, and they can get you set up. If you're a small restaurant and you need to, to work with an insurance provider, this is where they come in. If you're a large restaurant, you have multiple locations, he can help you too. If you're an individual, and hey, look, my my company, I love my restaurant, I love working there, but they don't offer health insurance, and you need health insurance, what he does is he takes all of you, puts them together, he's got this large group, and he's able to offer you a discount. This is amazing. This is uh, for medical, dental, vision, and even life insurance. If you have a house, if you have a wife, you have kids, you have a husband, whatever it may be, you need life insurance. You need actual health insurance. It is so vital. Here's how you do it. You get a hold of Dan Marr. His number is 832-816-8602. Tell him Brandon from Nashville Restaurant Radio sent you, and he will make sure you get the absolute best rates possible. If you don't want to make a phone call, you can email him at dan at southernhealthins.com. Yeah, what can I do? right to to do this or not like what can you do because then you're just putting the blame and on everyone else you're it's creating about, it's blame. about accountability for your own fucking actions yes but then also like at the end of the day if you if you are accountable for your actions and you are a good person and you're just aware and you try to do the best you can do it doesn't fucking matter what anyone else does it doesn't because then you can find that because what I've been dealing with is that like the world is chaos everything is chaos life and existence on this in this universe is chaos chaos and it doesn't matter and everyone thinks we're so special but we're not like none of us in this room i'm sorry are special i'm not special i'm gonna die and some of my friends and family will be upset probably for a year or two or three or five and then the world will go on in any form and i'm just an i'm just a human currently living in some skin on this earth right so the zen of that is just like you know what I can't change anything. Anything is just, everything is just constantly happening in chaos. So it's just like, I'm going to just find my peace and try to be as good of a person as possible. And on a, on a scale, it's just my morality. Just try to make it as better than worse. And, and if everyone did that, that'd be great. But also if everyone didn't do that, you know what? I'm going to sleep at night feeling good that I did a good life. And maybe I showed some people and had some good conversations. And that's really all that matters because I'm not living anyone's life either. Absolutely. Amen. I, that's, we do a final thought on the show. <laughs> the, Gordon, the Gordon food service final thought. I think that like, we could just like backtrack this and I'll say, Hey Ben, what's your final thought? And then I'll just insert that comment i mean that was that 100 percent, man life is tight that's my final thought life, life is, is tight, tight. <laughs> I, can you please make t-shirts i have one i have shirts and hoodies life is tight is funny because that's it's i've been awesome. saying it for years and all my friends have been like oh no life is not tight like sometimes i hurt sometimes i'm not in a good mood or my dad is sick or like you know people are starving in africa i was like no okay you're you're, you're, you're missing the point right like if you wake up it's a good day. Yeah. Like, right and, and, and if life wasn't tight, then people who weren't, then people who were on their deathbed wouldn't be clinging to it. You want to live. You Life is tight. If you You're wake one up, shot. it's a good day. So shut the fuck up and be grateful and do something cool. Um, we, we've, <laughs> I want a Life is Tight t-shirt. I know. I'm like, bring you one. at the very I have least. A, I have a please. hoodies and t-shirts. Oh, I'll bring I would you die. one. Please, thank There's you. one with a, a surfing hoagie on a wave of BE and then one with a skydiving pizza. <gasps> pizza, please. Oh, yeah. Yes, okay. of course. That's easy. Do you know what we didn't do in this episode? And this is probably my favorite thing of any episode. 
we didn't tell people what you do. I um, love that. We just jumped <laughs> we right just, in. Normally that. there's a, this is Ben Sticks. Mm-hmm. He's the owner of the Beehive. Ben, tell us about the Beehive. We didn't do any of that. So I people have been listening to this for almost an hour going, mm-hmm. Who the fuck is this what guy? What is this dude? Well, they've Googled ben the needs Beehive. needs no introduction. He's I, a local celebrity. Everybody I, knows. Oh shit. We know so what you do. Will you, will you, as maybe as your, your Gordon Food Service, I can get Gordon Food Service's name and five times I get a bonus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gordon Brother. Food Service. Gordon can Food I help you Service. Uh, final thought. Will you tell us all about the Beehive? Because I, I know we got to get going here. And but what we do. Tell us about the beehive. Tell us what you do. Tell us how we can contact you. Give any plugs that you have. Okay. Kind of that can be your your final thought. First and foremost, I kind of love that we haven't talked about what I do in the entire time. And we talked a little bit more about the headspace and the mission about it because I feel like that's ultimately what it is. Um, the whole beehive is B-E and it's kind of like leading by action versus talking. It's, you know, be what you can be. It's just like just just do something, be it, don't talk about it. Just, just, it's kind of about action and just doing stuff. Um, so to throw that back in there, the beehive, uh, makes vegan meat and cheeses that are all Satan based, uh, minus the cheese. It's not Satan based. And we deliver and ship to restaurants and grocery stores around the country. Um, through that, we also developed a deli that's on the East side and that, um, Deli uses all of our products. So we make the meat, we make the cheese, we make the sauces, and it's kind of like showcases our products. Basically, that came about me and Diana, who's my number two. It's basically her deli. And she was like, we were we had all these products and we were like, what if we just started a deli? Because we started off doing events. And we were like, that'd be cool. And it started off Saturdays, four hours, five hours, and then it went to Saturdays and Sundays. The pandemic hit. And then within the second week, we were like, okay, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And now it's a seven day a week um, deli. And then we have a big production facility on the other side of town in Donaldson. Um, it started off with a band. That's our story. It started off with a band called born empty. I told you I was a drummer. Um, that was their high school band. We lived in a house and we called it the beehive and we started throwing potlucks and they were all vegan potlucks. And we were touring on the road. Eric, uh, the singer is the, he's part owns part of the company. He was um, he was like Gandhi vegan when I met him, like he went from a regular diet to like raw fruit and veg. And I was like, all right, wow. I'm going to do this with you for two weeks. And I didn't turn back for eight years. And that's, that was like, I was already vegetarian, but then I went vegan and we just started, we would on the road, we'd be like, Hey, like let us sleep on your couch or floor. We'll cook you breakfast in the morning. It was really just a way for us to like use the band tab to be able to buy groceries for us to eat. Um, and we just got good. We started throwing vegan potlucks and then we moved out of the beehive, um, I had done a couple AIDS rides in um, California and I was just like, you know what? I want to, I was working at wild cows, like quitting. Cause it was like hurting my wrist. And I was like, let's do an, let's do an event on Tuesdays when you're closed, $10, all you can eat different nonprofit. And then we take, we take the, the, the money after we give, uh, we pay for the food, we pay for the employees, we give percentage to nonprofits and we give a percentage to wild cow. And that's how the business started. Wow. Um, and so it's just been a series of just being able to throwing events and reaching out to the community and just having vegan food and then seeing what worked and what didn't work and following those, those lines. That's the, that's the story of the beehive. So now we make, I, d- I looked into it and we've made 178,000 pounds of product in the last three, six, wow. 365 days. That's awesome. It's I crazy. love this guy. <laughs> I've had so much fun today. Thanks. Like I've, 
I, I sometimes just yeah, I have interviews in here and they're they're good. Mm-hmm. You have good conversation, but like, I, I don't know what my perception was beforehand. You didn't and, know me like at all. I didn't know I didn't know you <laughs> yeah. at all. But yeah. like, I didn't. I'm not. I don't know. I just I haven't delved into the vegan world. And my mm-hmm. perception of vegans is the person in the restaurant who's angry that I don't exactly. have a good vegan option mm-hmm. and. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I've been so ignorant to this, but like, I've just enjoyed this conversation so much. Thanks. Thank you I, so much for thanks coming. for having me. And thanks for letting me, uh, talk about all the shit. No, thanks, I, I, I want to do this again, like tomorrow. Yeah, let's do like, it. I want to totally, this will be, we've got to make this like a regular thing, man. This I'm, is awesome. I'm all about it. I like, uh, being able to talk about it and in, in a way that like people might be interested to be able to like listen and learn is yeah. really just, um, it's the mission. The mission of the Beehive is to make plant-based eating more accessible. And that's by meeting people where they're at and, and like their ideology and the food that they like to eat. Ben sticks. You've said it all today. I'm like, I'm, this is amazing. Love it. Great way to start the day. It is a great way to start the day. Thank you. Wish you nothing but the best of success. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Hopefully uh, sooner than later. I'm around. Thanks Ben. Yeah. Life is tight. All right. Life is tight. My fave. So badass. All right. Wow. Thank you so much to Ben Sticks for joining us in studio. His real name is Ben Sticks. It is. I, that, I mean, I didn't just, think it worked, was. I didn't think it perfectly. was a fake name. I didn't know he was a drummer, though. It, I did know he was a drummer, but it never occurred to me for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> Some things go over my head. All good. What are you eating over there? Um, I'm eating a delicious Atkins caramel chocolate nut roll bar that sounds delicious is it is it it good it tastes exactly like a snickers but it's sugar-free and it's keto are you doing like a keto diet i have been doing a diet to boost my metabolism so it's not like hardcore strict keto i kind of have made up my own diet that pulls from a lot of things but i started wearing one of those blood sugar monitors um I don't know if you've ever seen like, there's a lot of ads on like Instagram and Facebook. Um, It's a device for diabetics, Um, but anybody can wear it. I'm not diabetic and it monitors your blood sugar. And so I eat a diet that is based off of trying to boost my metabolism through never having blood sugar spikes. Sorry, this is probably a lot of information. No, 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 no. I read a book called The um, Diet Evolution by a guy named Dr. Gundry, right? He does like these infomercial stuff, but his book is fascinating. And he talks about... Back in caveman days, I'm not talking like paleo stuff. I'm talking literally cavemen back in the day and the way that your body, your DNA is like the way your cells align. He was in back in the day, you could only eat sugar in one time of the year. Oh, interesting. Because that's when they, that's when fruits grew. Okay. So when you ate sugar, your body signifies it's summertime. Oh, wow. And so it starts storing fat. So when you eat sugar, it triggers your DNA, like your cellular, it triggers your body to start storing fat because obviously it's summer and your body needs to store fat because in wintertime, sure. food is scarce. That's very interesting. So when that. you stop eating sugar, your body thinks it's wintertime and starts burning fat. Wow. It immediately goes, oh, it's winter, so I'll start burning that fat. So that's why the keto, all kinds of sugar and carbs, they Trend, they, they turn into sugar. Your body converts them into sugars. Anything processed, any of that stuff. So if you're just eating meats only, I mean, meats and greens, right. your body thinks it's winter and starts burning fat. Like That's what ketosis. Your body goes right. into ketosis, starts burning fat. And I like the way that the guy put it was, 
Summertime, you can eat sugar. Your body stores, it gets sugar, it starts storing fat. It's like, that makes sense. And then when you stop eating sugar, your body goes, it's winter. Let's burn all the fat. Sure. But most people would do that backwards because, you know, you want to <laughs> not store. Not- well, well, the thing is, is that there's so much sugar out there. There's oh, just sugar. in everything. Everywhere. Yeah. Well, I like the plant-based diet really puts you right there in a sense of, hey, it's a plant-based diet. See how I brought it back to the show? Great job. Great job, That was was good. We're working on it. No, but I, I, something I I mentioned, you know, kind of when we were talking to Ben, but what I love about what he does is like, hey, this isn't just rabbit food. The food Ben makes is kind of like stoner food. It's like really (laughs) indulgent. It's not healthy food in terms of like, Hey, here it's a piece of lettuce. You know, it's like really craveable, you know. Yeah. Food. Well, I, I Marsha Masula, who owns Roar, love Marsha. You know, dear, Mar- <laughs> very dear friend, very dear friend. Have to give her a big shout out. Thank you for setting up the interview with Ben Sticks. Yeah, she made that's that, how I'm about. She ben made that happen. Uh, she's a vegan herself. Yes, she's an awesome human. I really like Marsha. But Marsha's not like. Marsha's a cool vegan. She's not like a regular vegan. She's like a cool vegan, you know? Well, I'm not saying that regular <laughs> vegans aren't cool. No, I'm just teasing. It's like a, it's like a mean girls. Reference. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, I watched that for the first time when I had COVID just recently. Okay. The one day I was Did you like, like it? Oh, it was hilarious. It's a great movie. I, I, all the talk about it. I'm like, my wife came up in her full like hazmat suit to check on me. And she's like, what are you doing? I go, I'm watching mean girls. And she's like, okay, what happened to you? I'm like, what? I'm, sick i'm laying on a couch i'm watching like guilty stuff like what is it i thought it was pretty good great movie yeah Lindsay lohan was great in that movie she's a great actress yeah i she's making a comeback she's in a uh hallmark christmas movie this year very excited is that is that a comeback yeah for her she okay. hasn't had a movie in a while good for her yeah good for her i'm excited about she that. had a reality show that aired during the pandemic I, it, it wasn't my favorite listen don't get me started on the road of reality we well, let's get in the road of have, reality because let's let people we don't know have the time let's let people know because about me well let's talk about <laughs> trash tv because i'm a big fan myself i well first of all i'm a big bachelor franchise person okay i do watch the bachelor franchise i'm not like a hardcore bachelor person but i have watched the last several seasons and i am watching the current season of paradise i'm not Holy caught up though shit i'm not either i'm like two episodes in we just started watching okay this Better is than the, last This season. is the greatest television on, on television, in my opinion. For me, it's not the greatest thing on television, but I'm entertained by it. For me, the greatest thing on television right now, and it's really the greatest thing on television ever, is The Real Housewives of Potomac. We're back for a new season, coming in hot, and it is just, if, Never if you're not watching it, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Do I need to start watching this? Yeah, but you got to start with season one. I'm how sorry. many episodes? How many seasons are there? I think we're on season seven. Like forty? No, no. Potomac's I think on seven. Seven seasons. You'll blow right through it. It's so good. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but I, I'm right now watching uh, Hell's Kitchen. Oh, okay. So I've watched the first couple episodes of the season, and it's really good. A good season. It's I, fantastic. Our, our my buddy Alex Ballou is on the show. He's gonna win. I I think there's no way he doesn't. Win. I've only watched two episodes, and he's definitely gonna win he's like so by far the front runner and you can tell because gordon's like really nice to him oh sure first of all he's killing it like first and foremost he's crushing it right but you can also tell gordon's like great job excellent sure out of perfection like everything he does is like this guy and then the episode three the same thing happens 
Like he just right. crushes it. Well, the thing about Hell's Kitchen that's different from like a top chef is Hell's Kitchen doesn't just pull like super professional chefs. You've got some like Alex, who is definitely a professional chef that knows what he's doing. But then you've got some people who are like, I own a quote unquote catering company. And it's just like, has this person ever cooked food before? You know, One of the there's girls, definitely pulling from the D squad. She said, um, look, I'm an owner. I don't work on the line. This is hard for me. And I was like, do what now? She, the, one of the women said that she okay. was like falling behind on the meats or whatever. And he was like, come on, you guys. She's like, look, I don't do this. I'm an owner. I don't work on the line. I was like, well, surely you've seen the show before. But you I mean, to be if on you're going to be on the show to <laughs> cook, you've got to know what you're doing. I right. Mean, and Alex clearly does. I think, totally. I think he's just going to crush it. I um, agree. I agree. I'm excited for it. Well, him. so speaking of cooking shows, I know that in a little bit, um, we're talking to Arnold Met, who was on a season of Top Chef. Yes. Have you? Do you know Arnold? I sold him produce when I was at Creation Gardens okay. back at PM. Okay. And then Susie Wong's. Yeah. And um, just a genuine, like a super nice, nice. guy. I mean, I, I don't know Arnold. We have a lot of mutual friends, and I can't believe that over my 10 years in Nashville, somehow we haven't met because he is such an icon of the food scene here. But, he uh, is. I mean, I'm excited he, to meet him. And he's definitely him. a, he's polarizing. Okay. Um, in the sense that like he's unapologetic. He's who he is. Sure. And he was one of the first people I think to really come out and be strong about it. I mean, he has a restaurant called, he had a restaurant called Susie Wong's House of Yum, which is his, is it okay? Is it alter ego yeah, it's his drag persona. It's his drag persona. I mean, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't know the correct term. I'll learn today. Okay. So stay tuned. Next week, we're gonna. Next Monday, you'll get Arnold Mint will be in here, and you get to hear that interview. I'm so excited to talk to Arnold because you know something that I've been thinking about so much lately is kind of where the Nashville food scene is headed, and I think such an important part of that is where it was and where we are and where we're going. And I think Arnold is such a great person, going to be such a great person to talk to about that because he really grew up in the Nashville restaurant scene. Oh, yeah. He's been here through it all. So I, I can't wait to hear his perspective on that. I'm really curious to hear his perspective on celebrity chef culture too because oh, he's yeah. been a celebrity chef, quote unquote, for yeah, a while. Definitely. I mean, he's been in LA. He's been on Food Network. He's judged things like... He's got a blue check mark next to his name oh, on Instagram. Yes. You know, he's one of those guys. And yeah. I'm just curious, like, where he's seen, like, all the people he's dealt with and, like, the real players. Yeah. Like, hey, you know Bobby Flay. Like, oh, what I hope is he's the got deal? some good dishy stories That's what for I us. want. I want to get some good dishy stories. It's like the behind now, the scenes. Now, you know, that's my and celebrity chef culture. Yeah, I love that. Tell me about the Top Chef franchise. What do you, like, what do you got? Give us the dirt. I watched his season. Like, as it happened week to week, it was awesome. I'm going to be honest. Top Chef is one that I dip in and out of. Um, a, a a friend of mine and Tony's that we worked with in Chicago, Damar Brown, was on the most recent season of Top Chef um, and was uh, one of the runners up, a fan favorite. We share a chef mentor, Eric Williams, from Virtue Restaurant in Chicago. Um, so Tony and I watched the most recent season, but I don't feel like we've watched it in a long time. That's the first season we've watched in a while, but I, we I loved it. Watched it, was, it in a long time. It was great. We're, I, I think I'll definitely watch the new seasons moving forward. And the new season is going to be in London. Did you know that? No. Yeah. They just announced at BravoCon, uh, that the next season of Top <laughs> Chef will be, <laughs> we'll talk, don't worry. <laughs> I know everything about BravoCon too. 
if you want to get into that another time. Uh, but yeah, I think that that's going to be really exciting to have an international season. That's really fun. Do we put on the vision board to get Andy Cohen on the show? Oh, Is that God. something that we should do? Listen, I think that that's uh, dreaming too big, even for me. No even way. although Nikki's did get a shout out one time on Watch What Happens Live. Really? Yes. It was one of the greatest moments of my life. We uh, <laughs> we had a cocktail menu that was a Real Housewives themed cocktail menu. It was one of those kind of, if you know, you know. If you were just reading it, you would think they were random names. But if you're into the Housewives universe, you would have totally gotten it. And every night on his show, Watch What Happens Live, to at the end, he does a mazel of the day, which is kind of his, you know, pick of the day. And Nikki's got the mazel of the day Wow! for a cocktail menu. It was incredible. I need to find that clip and play it. Oh, don't worry. I have it on my Instagram. I'll play it for you later. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Well, this is, um, this is kind of our recap of the show at the end. I don't of feel, yeah. I don't feel like we talked about the show much, but it's a nice little outro. Yeah. It's kind of something that, uh, you can, at the end of every show, we'll talk about trash tv we'll talk about what's going on <laughs> talk about your last week what you're going through we'll just kind of have like a little yeah. 10 minute final where we catch up well and i think that you know the interview with ben really speaks for itself you know i feel like we we left it all on the table and we talked about it before the show we did we did more of an intro than we'll normally do sure normally a lot of the intro will be at the end of the show sure so cool well, well people are getting to know you Sure. Kind of what you're about. I think this is a fun time to kind of dig into who we are, what we're into, and we love your feedback. Well, first things first, I love trash TV. So you learned that today. If there is a trash TV type thing that you would like us to talk about or whatever it is, I'm, I'm sure we can. Uh, oh, God, let us know. Let us know. It's so a, a real dream for me. Send us a DM at uh, our face, our Instagram page at Nashville underscore restaurant underscore radio. Maybe one day we can have an episode where we talk about my favorite episodes of restaurant trash TV. We can do a whole episode of Which you it. know some of them. Yeah, I think that there's some really good bar rescue stuff and Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Gordon Ramsay. Yes. Does yes. Kitchen Hotel Nightmares. Hell, kitchen Nightmares. Now actually, if we're ever gonna get Tony in here one day, we should get Tony in here to talk about restaurant reality shows because Tony has seen every episode of Bar Rescue Every episode of Kitchen Nightmares, he is like a super fan and watches them over and over again. Well, let's do that. I would love it. There's a fun topical show. He would show. love it. <laughs> chef, chef contest show. So I'm excited. Stay tuned. Next week, you'll get to hear our conversation with Arnold Miet. We'll probably talk about a lot of that. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. Have a wonderful... You get to do your first sign-off. Ooh, signing off. Do you have like a, a sign-off that you have? Because I have one. Oh, Okay. Well, it's no, kind of a I don't. My, kind of a pandemic thing. I say, um, hope you guys are being safe out there because I want everybody to be safe sure. and make good decisions. <laughs> and I love you because I do. People out there, if you are feeling like you're not loved, I want you to know that there's somebody out here who does love you, and it's me. Oh, that's so, so nice. I love that. You know what? I'm gonna say, if you're out there and you're working in restaurants, you're doing a great job because sometimes we don't get told that enough. You're doing a great job. There you go. So let's practice it. You ready? I'm ready. All right, guys. We will see you next Monday. I uh, hope that you're being safe out there. Love you guys. Nashville, you're doing a great job. Bye. <laughs>